This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show, you're going to feature somebody who's been through, I can politely say, Helen back, and she's back in a big way. And I really, really encourage you to watch this and watch and listen to this entire episode because it is going to be dynamic. Uh, Nathan, how are you? Do you have your tissues handy? Oh, I got plenty of them right here. Probably, I uh, want to say about 100 Perfect. sheets right here. You may need them all. You may need them all because we have a wonderful, wonderful guest with us today who is a tough-as-nails person. Her name is Holly Francis, and she has gone through Helen back and um and has come out the other side in a, in just a, a, a dynamically positive uh, great way and uh it's really is cool and we're going to Nathan tell us tell our audience where they can find us if they're not next to their computer where can they where can they find us at well if you're not all blocked out in your vision by tears you can watch the show and see us on YouTube, that's on Positive Talk Radio and 1150 KKNW's YouTube channel. And then there's also Facebook for both of them as well. And on Twitter under 1150 KKNW. And they can stream it if you are uh, by computer, but you are going out and about. You can stream it by going to, to 1150 KKNW, right? Yes. And of course, on the and- radio, it's... 1150 AM and 98.9. If you have an HD radio, you can switch it over from HD1 to HD3, and that will give you a better quality signal as well. Awesome. And uh, next next Friday, next Friday, and I'm going to have to have Holly back for one of those as well, uh, if I can survive this, I tell you. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> um, next week, we're going to start our run on Kixie. And that's going to be at three o'clock in the afternoon, and we're going to be so we're going to be on it uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Friday. Um, so you can catch us on all those on on KKNW and Kixie, and of course, uh, Kixie, Kixie is eight eighty a.m. on the dial. Absolutely. So Nathan, thank you so much. I want to get right into my interview with with Holly because of uh, what she went through and uh, came back the other side and has written a book and is becoming an advocate. Um, to, for people that are running into this, this horrible, horrible, horrible thing that ha- that happened, and so let me set it up for you, Holly, if I can. You were going to have a baby; it was your first baby, and uh, you were uh, uh, the pregnancy went fine, and the delivery went fine, and you took the baby home, and then something happened. Everything changed. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for having me on your show. I have listened to a lot of your episodes, actually, and you have such a dynamic story and just so many different people. I listened to your last episode with Amy, and it was just mind-blowing. But let's get into my story. And um, like you said, this this would have been just over 12 years ago, and I was in my 20s. I had just given birth to my daughter. And it was just such an exciting time in my life. You know, you're a new parent 
and you're just adjusting to all that. And there was just so much excitement. Like you spend the whole nine months just preparing for that. And pregnancy went well. Uh, the childbirth went well. I bring my daughter home and, and we're just loving life. And, you know, I'm tired and, and I'm adjusting to breastfeeding and waking up all through the night. But it was just such a joyous time in my life and just so excited for the future. Uh, I live in Canada. And so here in Canada, we get an entire year off for mat leave. Oh, cool. And yeah, so I was very excited about that whole year that we were going to spend together. And I had all these plans in my mind and we were going to, you know, go for walks in her stroller and we were going to go to the park and I was going to introduce her to all my friends and all their little kids and we we're going to have play dates. And it was just like this whole thing planned. And unfortunately, I didn't get to do any of those things. Um, very quickly, my life changed. So it started with a tingle in my fingertip. So I'm at home. It was like early afternoon. And I thought maybe I had burnt myself because this strange tingle kind of just pierced my my the, the tip of my finger. But I hadn't burnt myself on, on anything. And so I just kind of ignored it. Uh, but then, you know, I'm going about my day and I'm just kind of feeling drained, a little bit tired, a little bit kind of weak, almost like, you know, when you're you're getting the flu and you're just feeling kind of blah. So so I'm thinking maybe I'm getting sick, like maybe I'm, I'm catching a cold or something. And again, just kind of brush it off. <clears throat> but very, very quickly, this this uh, pain all of a sudden developed in the back of my neck and it went from like a, a one on the pain scale to suddenly like almost a 10 like in tears can't handle it anymore taking pain medication nothing's helping and I remember thinking well maybe I slept funny or, or maybe I like pinched a nerve or something and and I don't really know so again just trying to ignore it not thinking it's a big deal you know and that night I'm kind of wandering around the house and I'm I'm walking up the stairs and I'm noticing that my legs are feeling kind of weak and heavy and it's a little bit harder to lift my legs up uh, to go up those stairs. And at that point it was like, you know what, like something just doesn't seem right. And so I go on Google because that's what you do when you, re <laughs> you research your symptoms, right? It's like, okay, like I'm dealing with these weak, weak legs and like kind of this tingle and like kind of pain in my neck. And Dr. Google tells me that I have a pinched nerve. And so I'm thinking, okay, just a pinched nerve. I can get through this. Probably need to maybe see a doctor tomorrow or something. And, but the pain just got worse and worse and worse. And, and, and when I say worse, I mean like within like 20 minutes, 30 minutes to the point where I, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to, I need to see a doctor now. So I actually left my house. And at this time, it was like minus minus 30 in Canada, which is very, very cold. I, I, I'm sure you can relate in, in Seattle. You get some cold winters as well. But uh, so we basically I, ha I went to the to the ER or went to sorry, it went to a doctor. And uh, he said, yeah, I think you have a pinched nerve. You're fine. Go home, take some pain meds and uh, we'll talk to you in the morning. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I'm like, I'm really having a hard time walking. So I went home that night thinking that I would be fine in the morning, but I could not sleep. The pain just got worse and worse. I was basically on my floor trying to do all these stretches with my neck and, and the pain's getting worse. My daughter wakes up at about three in the morning and I stood up to go to her and my legs completely buckled and I basically lost the ability to stand. 
And so it was at that point that I knew that something was much more serious than a pinched nerve. And, and if it was just a pinched nerve, then I needed to, to see somebody. So I had my ex-husband um, uh, and my husband at the time drop me off at the ER because I didn't want my daughter, of course, going in into the hospital. And uh, I said, you know, just pick, pick me up in a couple hours. I'll call you once I'm done here. I, I'm sure they're probably just going to give me some medicine or, or treat me somehow. And maybe I'll see a physiotherapist or something. And I had no idea that that would actually be the last time that I would step outside of that hospital for several months. It's incredible that, of course, I'd never heard of this of 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 this uh, problem that you had, and we I want to talk about that because, uh, but but first, it got kept getting worse and worse, and you couldn't, and so you ended up being basically paralyzed from your neck down. Yeah. So I, I go into the hospital. I was very lucky that I saw a doctor that said, you know what, something is definitely wrong with you. You're losing strength in every part of your body. And I, I can just tell that it's it's progressing very quickly. And I don't know what's wrong with you, but I'm going to find out somebody that does. So he brought down a neurologist. The neurologist took one look at me and said, I think I know what you have. I think you have a rare disorder called Guillain-Barre syndrome. And I sat there going, I've never heard of that before. I don't know what that is. Is that a disease? What's a syndrome? I'm, I'm 26 at the time and had never had health issues in my entire life. And it was just so strange and foreign to me. So I'm thinking, okay, well, what is that? Give me some med medicine and I got to go home because I've got a baby to get back to. And he tells me that GBS is a rare autoimmune disorder. So it's very similar to multiple sclerosis. And so with, with MS, it basically, your, your autoimmune response will attack your the nerves in your brain and your spinal cord. So that's what MS is. And GBS is very similar, except that it's attacking the nerves in every part of your body other than the spine or the brain. And what it's essentially doing is that it's stopping those signals from going from the brain to the rest of the nerves, essentially basically just paralyzing your body and, and per not permitting you to be able to use your, your arms, your legs, everything. And so I, at the time when I'm seeing him, I mean, I'm having a hard time walking. I was having a hard time using my arms. And he said, we don't know how severe this is going to get. There are, can be mild cases. There can be more severe. So you're going to need to be admitted to the hospital. And we're just going to see how things go. And again, I remember just thinking, okay, yeah, just give me some meds. And I'll probably be here for a few hours. And then I'll get to go home. Uh, but unfortunately, just things progress very, very quickly and within 72 hours of that very first symptom that I had, the process had spread to my entire body, paralyzed me from the neck down, and actually affected my breathing. So at, at one point, it, I could no longer breathe on my own, and they actually rushed me to ICU, where I was put on a ventilator to breathe, and basically left in that state of complete paralysis, locked into my body. What was it like to feel that way and know that you can't move? You have a daughter at home um, and and you have to be put on a ventilator. Um, and the statistics on being on a ventilator are not real good. Mm -hmm. and a lot of times you people go on them and they never come off of them. Yeah. Um, you must have been 
beside yourself. Were you were you cognizant and aware of everything that was going on around you? You just couldn't move? I really was. And that's the craziest part is that a lot of people think that like when you go in ICU and when you're on a ventilator that you you are sedated and you don't know what's going on. Uh, but I was fully coherent and knew everything. And I was in so much pain. The pain was basically the inflammation that was happening in my nerve. So every part of my body was basically okay. felt like I was on fire, felt like somebody had run me over and, and like dropped me off a building. Just like I just felt so much pain, but then couldn't move. And so when I, I'm in ICU and I, I have a tube down my throat, I can't talk. I can't communicate with my family. My entire family's there. All my friends are coming to see me, of course. And my, my daughter, my newborn, she's just over three weeks old. And to me, it was just like, my life is over and, and this is it. And I'm dying and I'm not going to get out of here. Uh, now, of course, the, the doctors were so supportive and they said, you know, with GBS, you, you have a very severe case, but there, there's hope and, and you can recover from this. You can get better. You just have to get through this really difficult, hard part. But I really didn't believe them because, I mean, I'm completely paralyzed, can't move anything. I can't even reach out and touch my, my daughter. I can't say anything to her. And that that just ha that just went on for so long, for for weeks and weeks and weeks, and there was no improvements. And you're trapped in your body, and everyone's running around me and and doing things. And I mean, my family still had to, you know, eat and and live their own lives and and come in to visit me. And they were bringing my daughter every day to be there with me, and they're putting her on my chest and and it was it was inspirational for me it was like motivation for me to get better but at the same time it was so heartbreaking to know that i couldn't be taking care of her i couldn't do anything with her and i all these plans that we had for the future were just gone and i just truly felt like my life was over and that there was no hope and i didn't really believe that i was ever going to get out of there now did did they explain to you or to tell you how you got this? Was it a predisposition? Was it in your DNA or what? How did you get it? So GBS, it's it's a wild, wild disorder and they don't know too much about it still. They're learning so much. Um, but what they can say is that it typically will come on by some sort of trigger. So there's usually some sort of event that will trigger it. And so basically anything that causes an autoimmune response, it's where the body be begins to, to fight whatever it thinks is fighting. And then it continues to fight and then it starts attacking the healthy nerves. And so typically that will follow some sort of event three to four weeks after something. Uh, and so in my case, I had my daughter and I went through childbirth, which I mean, there's a, a lot of hormones and changes going on to the body. So, you know, it's, it's something new to the body. And I also had a C-section with my daughter as well. Uh, so surgery. So, I mean, they, they don't know for sure, but that's what they, they think is, it was the trigger for me. And that is something that it, it goes away over time, hopefully. And yeah. So basically people will hit their absolute worst. And so the progression of the disease is typically will go for about two to three weeks where the people will hit their absolute worst. Whatever that is for that each patient is, is different. Uh, but for me, it, it seemed to last forever. I didn't show any signs of improvement for almost 
eight weeks before I was able to even move my finger again. And you were on a ventilator for this entire time. I was on a ventilator for almost three months. And that was definitely the hardest part of my journey because it was, I, I constantly felt like I couldn't breathe. I constantly felt like I was running out of air. Every breath in was a challenge. I, I was constantly just this, this anxiety and fear that if I didn't catch my next breath that I was going to die. And the ventilator, that it was first in my mouth, but they later moved it to um, basically my, my throat and they made an incision and, and put the tube there so it was a little bit easier to communicate. And that's how I communicated was by like mouthing words. And, and at times my family would have a piece of paper and they would point to letters and I would, I would either blink or, or nod my head when I, when I regained strength in my neck. And it was just, it was just horrific. And the breathing was definitely the hardest part. And you, you just don't realize how much you take for granted until you're in that position. And it just felt like everything had been taken away from me. Before we continue, I want to make sure everybody knows to go to www.hollyfrancis.com. Uh, she's written a book about her experience and also tools and ways to, number one, to figure out if, if you're getting this, if you're coming down with it, and also ways to help yourself get through it. And so that then the name of that book is, again. It's Life Support, uh, Surviving Guillain-Barre Syndrome. I'm glad you can say Guillain-Barre syndrome before I can. <laughs> I couldn't say it for probably a good six months. <laughs> and uh, so go there, and there is a YouTube video. If you feel like you need to understand the depth and the width of what you went through and with your beautiful daughter, by the way, your daughter's just gorgeous, and, uh, and so are you and your beautiful spirit. And I, I just got to tell you, it, it, if you if you want a good cry, go watch this YouTube video of hers because it takes you through when she was paralyzed on the bed all the way back to doing aerobics and and being fit and and her daughters growing up and and it's you know it's it's a wonderful story with a happy ending. But the, it took a long time for the happy ending to get there, and you kept fighting. I what did. is it about you that kept you fighting? There was a lot of different things. I mean, to be honest, I, I, I didn't feel like I was really fighting. I felt like I was just laying there, just waiting to die. And there was these tiny glimmers of hope, one of them being my daughter, obviously, and just in the back of my mind going, no, like... I need to get better. I need to be able to do those things with her that I always wanted to do. And I want to be able to be a mom. I'd wanted to be a mom since I was like three years old and to suddenly have it taken away from me. It was like, no, I, I have to get back to her. And, and we just have so much to do in our lives. So that was of course a huge motivation. My support system as well uh, my my family members and and my nurses and doctors and they they plastered my walls with pictures of me and my family and just that that inspiration that you know what I have a life to fight for, and I was somebody before I went through this before I was this vegetable and I was just nothing, uh, and then um, another huge inspiration for me was another GBS patient. So when I was going through all that, I mean 
<clears throat> to me, I, I felt like I was the only person in the world with GBS. I'd, I'd never heard of it before. The doctors were telling me it's such a rare disorder. Some of the nurses had never seen it before. Many doctors had only seen one case in their entire life. And so I felt like this person that nobody understood. And then when the doctors seen me, you know, just fighting and, and just really struggling during that time and losing hope and 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 just there was times where I was refusing my baby on the bed because I just couldn't even face her. And I was in so much pain. I was dealing with a lot of nausea and vomiting and I was just losing hope very, very quickly. And they found this other GBS survivor, somebody who had actually been in the same hospital room that I was in. He had been on a ventilator for, for many, many months and he recovered completely. And so when he walked into that hospital room, it was like, okay, someone else has done this and someone else has overcome this and maybe, just maybe I can too. And to see, meet somebody else that, that understood it was it just made me realize that i was not alone and that maybe i could get through this and i still remember he brought me this sign and cuz he would obviously remember that the depths of despair that i was in and he brought this sign it was like this quote that somebody had written out for him and it was on his hospital wall and he put it in front of me and it was this quote and it still lives with me to this day and it was courage does not always roar Courage is sometimes the quiet voice at day's end saying, I will try again tomorrow. And it was just so profound because at the time, everyone kept telling me, you are so strong. You're such a fighter and you're going to get through this. And you're just so amazing, Holly, and you're going to get through this. But when you're in that bed and you're paralyzed and you can't move, you don't feel like a fighter. And there was times where I didn't want to keep fighting. I didn't want to go on. And at times I even asked my my parents and, and the nurses and said, can you just shut off the ventilator and just let me die? And I felt ashamed of that because people were telling me I was a fighter. And in my head, I was, I was not. But when I read that quote, it was like, you know what, you don't have to be strong. You don't have to feel strong and powerful to be able to be a fighter and to get through this. All you have to do is just, you know, keep trying and, and take it one step at a time. And so that's what I did. And the very first step in my recovery was learning how to breathe on my own. And that was the hardest part of my entire journey. They would shut off the ventilator basically for 15 seconds at a time and I would have to breathe on my own. My lungs were so weak and my diaphragm was so weak that it, it felt like I was going to run out of air and I would be crying and hyperventilating and ask them to put back put me back on and I would go, I can't do this. I, I, can't, I can't do this. And they would say, you're going to get better. You're going to get stronger. It's going gonna, it's gonna to improve over time. It's just going to take a little bit of time. And I remember thinking in my head, I'm never going to be able to do this. And to me, it felt so impossible. I had to breathe for over 48 hours on my own before they would consider taking out the trach. And I remember it just felt so unattainable. And I remember crying and just crying and feeling hopeless and going, I'm never going to get out of here. But I've always looked at that sign on my wall and it's it said, you know, try again tomorrow. And so that's what I would do with tears in my eyes. I would say, okay, let's do this. Let's try again tomorrow. And those 15 seconds went up to like 30 seconds and then a minute and then a couple minutes and then 10 minutes. And then gradually, very, very, very slowly over weeks, 
it improved and it got easier, a little bit easier. And eventually I was able to breathe on my own and I was able to get off life support and get out of ICU. At what point, because I'm sure there was one, in, in your struggle when it was at its worst, when you didn't see the other side and he, this angel that came into your life hadn't gotten there yet, at what point did you say, why me? Why did, what, what, what did I do to you to make you do this to me? I went through a very, very angry phase, uh, and that was actually pretty quickly, probably within uh, the first four days, I think, after being um, paralyzed. It was like, what did I do? And I just didn't understand. And I was so angry with everybody and ev everybody that I knew and the doctors and like, what did I do? I didn't do anything wrong. I was a good person and I was hardworking and loyal and I had just given birth and I just didn't understand. Um, but over time, it was just like, you know what? That's not helpful. Uh, I just, it became more grateful that I had this new perspective and as time went on it was like you know what if I if I get out of here if I ever make it out of here I don't know if I will but I'm gonna live differently and I'm gonna travel more and I'm gonna do all these things that I always said that I was gonna do so I had to really shift my mindset about it you did a beautiful job of it because not only have you written a book and uh, and I hope the book is is as received as well as as the, your YouTube videos. Your YouTube videos have been viewed over. I've read twenty million times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I was in, I mean, when I was in ICU, my mom was recording me, and she had recorded me because of the other GPS survivor who had gave that suggestion, and and he actually had a YouTube videos as well. And I remember at the time thinking get that camera out of my face. I don't want to be filmed in my most vulnerable position. But she was doing it because she wanted to to show me as I got better. She wanted to, to, to show me the progression and say, see, look where you were a couple of weeks ago. You are showing signs of improvement because there was many times that I didn't believe that I was getting better. But the doctors and nurses were saying, you are. They're, they're, you're showing signs of progress and your hands are moving now and you're able to move your neck. But again, I mean, when you're paralyzed and you can't do anything, it doesn't feel like improvements. But we really had to focus on one tiny improvement at a time. And we had to celebrate every little success. And, and over time, I was able to, you know, move my hands and then I could hold my daughter's bottle. I could hold her in my arms. Uh, I was moved to a rehab hospital where I eventually learned how to basically do everything. So I had to learn how to type and how to hold cutlery and how to feed myself, how to take care of myself, how to take care of my daughter and, and eventually how to walk again. But throughout that entire process, I remember there was a lot of fears. There was a lot of worries about whether I was going to recover completely. Um, there's, there's a lot of people that have GPS that don't necessarily recover completely. They may be left in a wheelchair or using a walker or a cane. And so there was always that fear in the back of my mind that I, I wasn't going to be able to walk again or that I wouldn't be able to play tag with my daughter or, or walk her to her first day of school. But I also knew that, you know what, I just overcame breathing and I, ne I thought that I wasn't going to be able to do that. And once I did, I knew that, you know, I could, I could overcome anything. And in fact, you did. 
at the end of the video that I watched, you're doing aerobics in front of a, a screen and you are moving. It looks like you've never been off your feet. You've never had a problem. Thank God for that. And uh, uh, congratulations, Holly. And by the way, hollyfrancis.com. Go there, buy the book. You can help her. You, she, she takes donations so that she can go and, and do exactly what that gentleman did for her in the hospital room, that she can be that angel for other people. And uh, we need to take a break, but she's going to stay with us. But we're going to be joined by Alex Francis, who are Frazier, excuse me, two, two F's in the same, but uh, Alex is going to join us and, and she's uh, an angel among us as well. So I get, I get to talk to two angels in a row and we're going to all stay together and, and have a great uh, rest of the show. So I hope that you'll stay with us and uh, we're going to take a break right now. You're listening to KKNW 1150 AM. This is Positive Talk Radio. And yes, this is live. Hello, everybody. If I could have your attention, please. I have an important announcement to make just for you. As you may know, PTR is heard and seen on radio, KKNW, and now Kixie, several websites, podcasts, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and most social media. At PTR, we believe in working together to make the world a better place. And because you're listening, we know that you're dedicated to the same. So we'd like to support your efforts by offering an outstanding multimedia package for you at a deeply discounted rate. As our partner, you'll receive commercial creation, both video and audio, at least 10 commercial plays per week, a monthly show to highlight your business and passion, exclusive website positioning with links, video shorts for social media, commercial plays on all shows, podcasts, KKNW, and Kixie. Your commercial is embedded into each episode and as a podcast is sent to over 50 different platforms. All shows are performed live and sent to Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter and stay there forever. Your podcast episodes are provided to you to use as you see fit. This one-time offer is only $250 a week based on a 13-week commitment. And as our partner, we are vested in your success and will do everything in our power to make it happen. However, there are limited spots available, so don't hesitate. Please email me at kevin at kmmedia.pro and let's get the ball rolling. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. Anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. Hey there, I would personally like to thank you for making Positive Talk Radio part of your day. Whether you like podcasts or the radio show, we're glad to have you along. I'd love to hear from you with thoughts about the show and ways that we can make it even better. You are the reason we do these shows, because the more people we can touch, the better we can make the planet and our time here just magnificent. Please contact me, Kevin, at kmmedia.pro with any thoughts, comments, or suggestions, and thank you for being in my dream.
And welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald. We've got a great show for you today. It has been a real heartfelt show, and I want to, but I want to do something first on behalf of KKNW and Positive Talk Radio, and that is this: I would love for you to go to www. Eleven fifty KKNW, and there's a survey button that you can hit there, and you and you fill out the survey. Tells us about who you are, and then uh, not invasive but just just the kind of listener you are and what you'd like to see and hear on kknw and we use that information to um create better programming for you and also um to understand um our listener base and that kind of thing which helps all the shows here uh work with advertisers and that sort of thing so i highly encourage you to do that and if you do that then you get placed in a drawing to uh win a trip on the Victoria Clipper to Victoria and where there's lots of fun stuff to do. And also a hundred dollar gift certificate to a famous Dave's uh, restaurant. And, uh, and so if you do that and, uh, and you tell them that positive talk radio is your favorite show, I would greatly appreciate it. So um, if you do that, that'd be awesome. And I thank you very much for listening to positive talk. We have a great guest for you today. Her name is Holly Francis. We're going to be joined by Alex Frazier is, and it looks like it's going to be on, on, no, we got, well, we're, we're going to try the video and see, but, but, uh, um, first of all, Holly, I want to thank you again for being here. Your story is dynamic and it's exciting and, and thank God you're better. That's all I can say. You're, you're a beautiful young lady. You've got a beautiful child and, uh, thank, thank God you, that, that you got through it. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me and letting me share my experience with GBS. As you know, like it's, it's such a rare disorder. So it's really great for me to get to talk about it and perhaps reach other people that may be going through it now. And you're also an angel among us, as is Alix, because Alix runs a um, nonprofit that, that works with people and pets. Um, and Alix, can, uh, can you hear me? We're going to have to have uh, Nathan fix the uh, uh, and then fix the the uh, um, audio a little bit. So they're out of it. So you are now. So what are you doing now after after you've gone through that? First of all, your life must be just completely different. 20 million views on YouTube. I believe that means that you're monetized. Would that be correct? You know what? Unfortunately, no. I wish that was the case. I mean, I, I am monetized now, but at the time when the video first went viral and reached lots and lots of views, um, I wasn't. Uh, and and there's a lot of there was a lot of music in those videos that didn't allow me to be monetized. So unfortunately, oh. no. Yeah, that's the misconception. But but yes, it did change my life so much for the better after I'd recovered and I was, you know, back living my life again and with my daughter and, and being a mom, it was, everything was different. And I now understood what people say when, you know, life can change in the blink of an eye and go after the things you want to do. And, and life is just so short. And so I started living my life just to the fullest. And, you know, like I said, I, I wanted to do, I, I travel more. I just have so much more gratitude in my life appreciating breath, being able to breathe, being able to walk, being able to go for a run, just everything has just given me so much gratitude. And then after I recovered from GBS, 
I, I knew that I wanted to help other people and I wanted to bring awareness to what GBS was and help others. And so I started actually working with the GBS Foundation here in Canada. They also have one in the States as well. And just volunteering with them and, and running awareness campaigns and putting on events and conferences and, and then meeting patients and going to visit others in the, in the hospital, just like that, that survivor did with me. Nothing changes you more than and i would i would call what you had a near-death experience it absolutely was yeah because it was you were sitting you were lying there you could not move and each time you took a breath you were waiting for that to be your last breath i would think yes and, and um but i'm glad that that's not the case because you've got so much to offer the world and i'm so glad that you're here as does alex frazier who uh is now talking to us via phone um, Alex, can you hear me? I can hear you, and it is such a pleasure to be on the show and such a pleasure to hear Holly's story of perseverance. I tell you, isn't it? Um, if you go, <laughs> I made the mistake, Alex, of um, right before the interview, I was a little early, and so I went to her um, website and I reviewed the, the YouTube video, and it, I. I lost it. I'm sorry. It was very touching and very heartfelt and, and stuff. So I'm glad to have both of you here because you are also doing You're you're what I call an angel among us as well. Alex. But that makes me feel very honored. Thank you for that. Because you are doing work with uh, kids and with uh, Alzheimer's patients and with painting and with animals and shelters, and you're bringing them all together. And you've got a bunch of events coming up, don't you? Oh, we sure do. Um, but, to, but to touch on that nugget for just a moment and reflect back on Holly and what she's gone through, these are also stories of perseverance. Holly had that internal conflict and that demand upon her to to achieve and to succeed even in cases that she didn't want to and sometimes we come in contact with that too and it's it's so good to see uh, the medium of art and animals doing that one little thing like holly's hero did for her there are ways that if we can look outside of ourselves we can achieve more and i'm, I'm so proud of holly for what she's done and i am so proud of the people that i see every day that are willing to make themselves vulnerable let their stories show as Holly just did, and then move forward and progress little bit by little bit. I wish I'd have said that. That was beautiful. Well, Holly, Holly inspired me. I saw her pictures as well before I came online. I didn't have time to look at the YouTube, but I certainly saw the pictures, and they were heart-wrenching and stunning and just made me so proud of this individual who has said, I will, and I can, and I am. And did. And it's, did. It's, it's, it's 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 remarkable and you're doing you know what i like about uh, your story alex is that you started out and because your mom had alzheimer's and you went to her um residence where she was in the in a home and uh you felt the need and you and you had them paint and and put that together and that was the beginning your pause with cause is growing quite a little bit isn't it it is growing, and that is because of all the people who've joined with us. It certainly isn't just me. I had a little nug of an, nugget of an idea, and then others saw what was going on and came in to help, and we wouldn't be where we are today if it weren't for each and every person who gives a little or a lot. 
It's a beautiful thing about us as human beings. If we make the decision that we want to work together for the betterment of all, we can do that. Yeah, we, sh- we sure can. And so I'm so um, indebted to my volunteers. They do it for their own personal reasons. Sometimes they need something outside of themselves to focus on. They want to give back. They love animals. They love people. I'm seeing it all. I often say our volunteers are there for a season, a reason, or a lifetime, and I appreciate every single one of them. Well, you know, if you are... I, you know, recently I moved into a 55 plus community because um, one of these days I am going to get old enough to be 55. Um, just kidding. And uh, I was <laughs> always sitting over there laughing at me. Anyway, so I would really love to uh, invite somebody that is perhaps retired now or on disability. That if you want to volunteer in a in a really really good cause with fun people who get, who get out into the community and they and they put on these events and stuff, pause with cause would be something I would I would would love for you to consider. And uh, um, Alex, if somebody wants to find out how to volunteer, how do they do that? Well, they can go on our website, pausewithcause.org, p a w s w i t h c a u s e dot org and take a look at our volunteer area or you can email us through that website and get to know us and then we are also out in the community and i'd love to tell you a few of the things that we have coming up we can do that in just one second but i just want to say this and that is when my father retired he played golf three days four days a week and stuff then he got a little older and he fell broke his hip, wasn't able to play very much anymore. And so he didn't have anything to do. He didn't have any place to go. And so he ended up sitting on the couch watching TV until the day he died. That is not an acceptable way of life. What Holly is doing is the way to live, which is do not wait, do not stop, keep going, and live your life to the fullest every day because none of us knows how long we've got. Uh, to be here on this planet. And it can turn, as Holly's story can tell you, it can turn on a dime in a moment's notice. So live your life to the fullest. That would be my my admonishment or my, my encouragement to everybody to, to live your life so that you don't have any regrets at the end. And one reason that you won't have any regrets is if you listen to Alix and you go to one of these events that she's about to talk about. How, how's that for a segue? Nice segue. And I would add to that, it is never too late to try something new. Bingo. Um, my mother, before Alzheimer's hit her, had wanted to go back to school to become an architect. So imagine wow. a, a, somebody who's in their 70s saying, well, I'm looking around here and this is what I'd like to do. So I would That's encourage all of your listeners to think about art, whether or not they can do it in their minds or not. Absolutely. So what do you got coming up? Well, um, and I'll also add to that that when we are looking for people to work with us, we're looking for three key things. We're looking for patience, we're looking for kindness, and we're looking for a sense of humor. Art isn't one of the things that we're looking for. That comes naturally. It's inside of each of us, and we can help you bring it out. So where we have this mission statement that we, Pause with Cause, helps people and animals in need through art, Notice art is the last part of that. We're more about the people and more about the animals. We want to enwrap that kindness and that patience in there, too. Beautiful. 
beautiful. That and that really is that, and that's why you're an angel among us. And the the organization that you're doing, you're helping my favorite my favorite animals on the planet are dogs, and you're helping them as long as as well as cats, uh, and you're helping them, and you're also helping people make that connection between the two. And uh, it's it's a beautiful thing you're doing, and it's it really is a positive um, positive program. So thank you for what you do. Well, thank you. And I like to think of it too as there's the companionship of animals is also a therapy. It helps you through the bad times, and it, they are such loving, sweet souls. Dogs have such an amazing sense of helping others, whether they whether they have an idea that you might be hurt and just want to sit with you or whether their fun little wiggle is going to evoke a giggle out of you. They just have something inside of them that you just want to be around. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I keep referring to this YouTube video because it was so impactful for me. But at the end of it, um, Holly's going into her home with her daughter and there are a couple of dogs there. They were. They must have just been thrilled to see. Like, where the heck you been? You've been gone for six months. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. They were just so excited to see me. But yeah, I can just attest to that. The dog. They're just. They're just so therapeutic in their own ways. And that's, cats that's can be too. I've got a little yellow <laughs> cat that came from a shelter, and he came to me with toes pulled out and cigarette burns. And despite everything he'd gone through in his life, he is the sweetest, gentlest, kindest thing. And he comes and sits on my lap. I'm, I'm sorry that the video didn't work today because you would have gotten an eyeful of baloney. That's his name. <laughs> I, you know, I, Alex, it must, it must break your heart to, for some of these stories of, of animals that have been um, abused and, and, and hurt like that. It's, it's just awful. It is, and times are changing. Laws are changing. We're actually working with a couple of the shelters that are working to change those laws daily to criminally prosecute people who are cruel to animals, to jump in and take care of those animals and protect them. And our state is such a wonderful leader in the United States, leading the pack as one of the 17, 18 states that is already no-kill, doing everything they can to make sure that these animals get into safe homes and statistically, I will say that one of the reasons that we put our program in place is as an awareness program, because every year, seven, well, 17 million people are looking for a new domestic pet, and they don't care where they get it. 17 million looking for a new domestic pet, and 6 to 8 million animals in shelters. So the inverse should be true. The shelters should just be the, right, the kind of clearinghouse that finds the right pet, for the right person. So if we can let more people know that shelter animals are worthy, that they damaged or not, we're all damaged. So let's get them to the right home and the right place and get them into loving homes. And another point to that is that 25% of the animals in shelters are purebred. So rather than seeking out a breeder, first look to the shelters. I had no idea. That's really good advice. There are rescues for purebred animals. And there are now aggregate companies like Pet Finder and Adopt-A-Pet, and the local shelters are starting to advertise on them. So when you go into adoptapet.com or petfinder.com, you can enter the type of animal you're looking for, the breed, the weight, the color, and the distance you're willing to travel, as well as the age. And every animal that's in the shelter that's subscribed to that, and most of them do, 
you can pop up and see their animals, and then you'll find out about them right there, even before you get into a shelter. Amazing. That is really that is really cool. Well, I'm glad that that we are progressing in that, and that we don't we don't kill animals in the state of Washington. That makes me very happy. Yeah, they ha- it has to be a very um, special condition. The animal is either so unable to take care of itself, or men- um, medically fragile, or it is so aggressive probably because of the way a human interacted with it, that it's not safe to be around. And those are the very, very few conditions, the very finite reasons why an animal is put down here in this state. And if you, if even animals that have been abused, they are the most forgiving things if you treat them well. And a lot of times they can get over that. Yeah, I can attest to that. My, I got a rescue dog during COVID and yeah, he definitely went through something, but he is just so loyal and loving and caring. Yeah, people can learn things from that, can't they? Mm-hmm. Yes, they can. So, uh, Alex, um, you again, I'm, I'm going to make you do this. One of these, sooner or later, you got a bunch of events coming up, don't you? Let's do it now. So okay. some of the most exciting ones at the end of this month, April 28th, 29th, and 30th, we're having a three-day adoption event at Seattle Pacific Outlet Mall in Marysville. And it'll run from 10 to 6 every day. We'll have kitties there. We'll have dogs there from local shelters. And you'll be able to come in and look at them and get a couple cuddles. We'll have a photographer there. On the second of those days, the 29th, you can bring your own dog in. And we're going to have a going to the dogs contest with prizes and ribbons and elite judges. And you'll get to walk the red carpet and get your, get your dog seen by others. We've got a few fun categories. I'll name three or four of them. Biggest show-off, best costume, widest smile, cutest wiggle, most obnoxious. Those are just a few of the categories. And so the local merchants are participating with us. We'll have judges. We'll have a great contest. There'll be a photographer there. It's going to be just a really fun thing to do. And it is on um, the same day as National Pet Adoption Day. Now, there's a coincidence. Not. Yeah, not. We planned that. It is is also on the heels of Give Big, which is uh, Washington. Many states have this, but it's a Give, uh, Washington Gives Big. It's a day when we are encouraging support of the nonprofits that are helping with social services and to improve the lives of many. So it is just on the eve of that as well. That, that is so cool. What else you got? Well, I am so proud to tell you that we have won a Washington Arts Grant. Congratulations. What that's going to do is it's going to improve your outreach, which is so needed. Thank you. Yeah, it is. It's going to bring people in to help us, and it's going to let us help people. I've got three generations of military in my family, my father, my brothers, my son, and so it's near and dear to my heart that we have gotten this grant through um, the Wellness Arts Military, and we are going to be focused on veterans, their families, and caregivers, and we're going to be teaching painting. And, of course, that very purposeful subject matter is shelter pets. People are coming outside of themselves to do something good for an animal to get it seen outside the cages. Well, congratulations, and by the way, thank your family for their service. We really appreciate it. I appreciate that. Thank you. I will let them know. And what I've found with veterans, um, 
and the people who love them is that they continue to give even after their service. They have lived a, a life, even a slice of life, that is different from what we live. So they appreciate every day that they are recognized for that. So thank you for that, Kevin. Oh, you're more than welcome. I, I tell you, I there are lots of we have lots of issues in this country uh now um uh, holly is in canada so they're a little better than we are but we've got lots of issues veterans and how we treat them and how we help them get through the uh trauma that we put them through um we need to we need to do more and i appreciate uh anything that people can do to help a vet um because they've given in many cases they've given everything but their lives to for us so true. And this is a great way for them to have a give back as well. So while they're painting with us, they're learning a new skill, they're finding out that there's this, they can find a moment of peace inside of them. I was at an assisted living center the other day, and it was very interesting because we were busy, we were talking, we were laughing, we were having fun, and all of a sudden the room fell silent. And it was that moment that I knew that that evening was a success. They were all very integrated into what they were doing and having such a good time. That is that that's really great. That that's really awesome. Thank you, thank you for all that you do. And uh, we are we're going to run out of time, Alex. We're going to have to. You know, I I like talking to you, and you add value to the show. Will you come back kind of on a regular basis? That would be my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Well, you're you're welcome, and Holly. Will you come back? I want to talk to you more about about you and how this this whole thing has changed you and and you're doing things that you never thought that you'd ever be able to do before. And uh, um, you are a shining example of what a human can do if they put their mind to it. I want to give each of you just a minute to to say anything you want to to the audience. Alex, we'll start with you. Um, go. Thank you, Kevin. Well, we do appreciate and value our volunteers. I'd love to have you consider joining us. It's a lot of fun to work with us, and it fills your heart up as well. That that was good. That was concise, and you even beat the time limits. (laughs) (laughs) Holly? I would just like to say, you know what, I think my story is, is such a powerful reminder of, of how strong we can be as, as humans. We don't realize how strong we are until we're put in these positions. And, you know, there's a, a lot of talk about, uh, you know, everything happens for a reason. And that's not always the case. Sometimes you go through these struggles and it's hard to find a reason. But if you can give it a reason, find the blessings within. You know, I lost out on so much time with my daughter and... I was so angry with that for a long time, but now I just, I look at the blessings that I got out of that experience and it truly changed my life for the better. And so that's how I view my, my experience now. It's, it's been a blessing for me and truly is one of the best things to ever happen to me. That's saying something right there. I got to tell you. And, uh, and by the way, Holly said before we started the show that she's watched Positive Talk Radio on uh, PositiveTalkRadio.net and, and some of the other places we are on YouTube and so forth. And she said we don't suck. So that's good. <laughs> so <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can say something if you want. <laughs> no, I just I think you guys have such a wonderful wide range of different people and it's just so you like it's it's a positive experience for the listeners. So I encourage everyone to check them out. Thank you so much, positive talk radio.net. And by the way, 
Be kind to one another because each other's all we've got. We'll see you next time on Positive Talk Radio.